You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocals of Cryptopsy, and you're listening to my podcast, Vox and Hops, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians and we talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I hope that you had a great, great week. I most certainly did. There's a, a few exciting things coming up on the Vox and Hops front, specifically two things. Uh, I can't talk too much about them right now, but I can't wait to share these two new exciting fronts that the Vox and Hops podcast has coming up. It's something that I'm very honored to be a part of, and I'm super excited to share that with you coming up in the next few weeks. As always, if you want to support the Vox and Hops podcast, the best way to do that is to go through the Vox and Hops big cartel page. Right now, you only got a few more days to order your Water Makes You Rust when you're made of metal. Long sleeve shirt uh, on November 20th. I'm going to close the pre-order for this and then it's gone. I'm never going to make it again. This is a limited run. I'm super in love with this design that Andrew Tremblay, the artist that makes all of the Vox and Hops designs, the logo, everything, uh, he just blew me away with this design and I'm super excited and I can't wait to uh, start printing them and ship them out to all you Vox and Hops heads who have ordered one. But on November 20th, last chance, don't send me an email on November 21st saying that you want one because you're not going to get one. This is it. This is your last chance to get the water makes you rust when you're made of metal long sleeve. The Vox and Hops Big Cartel page link is in the description of this podcast. Check it out. Today on the podcast, I am with John Keevil, the vocalist of Warbringer. Here it is, Vox and Hops, episode number 86. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everybody? Today I'm with John Keevil, the vocalist of Warbringer. Hey, what's up? Good to be on the show. Uh, first time. Yes. <laughs> it's good to be with you. Uh, a Vox and Hops alumni actually hooked us up. A big shout out to uh, Chris Sutsos yeah. from uh, J-Hop Films, the YouTube channel. Yeah, they're they're quite popular. We did some episodes with them, and I keep hearing over and over, oh, I got into your band because of this J-Hop Films thing. I'm like, sweet. I was doing random improv on that, but... Uh, we reached out to him because we needed a merch person for the second leg of Canada. Our U.S. merch person couldn't get in and out. You know, borders, uh, national boundaries are not evident from space, says Carl Sagan. Get on the get on the level, people. But uh, <laughs> we had to, so we had to get other merch people for Canada. We got him. He's in Toronto, which is the first Canada show on this eastern leg, and uh, so he's been doing these shows and uh, kind of filming comedy in between it. He's the best. He's yeah. so much fun. He's so much fun. Uh, as soon as he said that uh, you'd be interested, I was like, I have to do this. Vox and Hops alumni introducing other people. I love it. Yeah, Fantastic, yeah. man. Good to be on Vox and Hops, indeed. Let's give everyone a rundown. Uh, who is uh, John Keevil? The soundtrack to your youth? What bands were playing in your house growing up? So it uh, depends which phase of growing up, because when I was growing up young, it was like a very conservative household. And so I'm like the only person in my entire family that's into this stuff, really. So I really started getting into like what I'd call proper metal, like late high school. And uh, at that time, I think I started. Okay, so I started in the late 90s. I had at one point when I was like 14 or 15, I had frosted tips and baggy pants. And I was, you know, I was pretty down with the sickness, so to speak, you know, um, at that age, yeah, I mean, no one will admit it, but that like just do the math of what what was popular when in in high school or whatever. Anyway, you know, make fun of me if you want. But uh, so I ended up going to Ozfest 2001 at like age 15, 16, something like that, and uh, Black Sabbath closed, and I was already into some like you know some like 
popular classic rock from ACDC, Guns N' Roses, etc. And I just heard the Iomi riffs, and I'm like, oh man, this is all you know. So I started there, and then kind of climbed from like that to like Priest to Maiden. I already was familiar with some Metallica, but they entered more regularly and more specifically like the thrash-oriented stuff over like you know your Black Album and whatnot. Um, and then I kind of got then I got into some like uh, some like Children of Bodom and early Ensoferum first two records I still enjoy the hell out of, um, and then from there now that I like was used to harsh vocals oh all kinds of shit you know then for a while it was uh, nothing but like the the rarest and rawest of eighties thrash and that was kind of the foundation of uh, Warbringer's first record I guess the the ones that still stand out to me as like particular favorites are like sacrifice for determination and soldiers of misfortune that one's very underrated i think and uh like the the first five creators um morbid saint spectrum of death i fucking love those vocals they're so goddamn evil uh and i always rep this one demolition hammer epidemic of violence because it's just a bag of sledgehammers <laughs> so we've always kind of tried to model ourselves on like the more extreme end of thrash but i guess what I try to do different as a vocalist, uh, I try to pretty much take the rapid fire approach of your your old school, like Mila Petraza, Don Dottie from Dark Angel, uh, Tom Araya, dude from Morbid Saint, so on and so forth, all the rapid fire thrash guys, and uh, add in like a lot of enunciation and some of the theatricality of like a Halford, Dickinson, Dio, Eric Adams, those kind of like traditional metal singers. So that's... In my head, that's what I'm doing. That's, it, that's, it, that's, that's very interesting. So you didn't, you didn't want to become a copycat. You wanted to take your own spin on the vocal style. Right. Because actually, when Warbringer started, we were attempting to be like something more like heavy speed power. But it was our first band, and I sim- I'd never sang in a band before, so I simply couldn't do it. Um, but I found I, I could when I just like drive it, you know, as, as I think many people do. I learned what I could and couldn't sing by driving around in my car and trying it all. You're absolutely not the first person to say that on this podcast. So, no, no, you're alone, and you you can blast it really loud. So it's like the only safe place to do that, because you can't sit in your house being like, <laughs> you know, it's not, uh, not going to work, especially practicing the high ones, because the highs, you got to do like a thousand terrible ones before you get one good one, it feel, felt like. And they're, they're quite louder than a, a guttural would be. Yeah, yeah. So certainly. your neighbors might be concerned. No, seriously, they'll be like, Jesus, like a nine-year-old getting raped by a play a group of people there no it's me trying to practice high screams man it's metal jesus um so yeah it's uh that was a learning process for sure but i'm kind of proud of that because in this band everything we have done is like this is my first band my original musical vision was something having to do with this and it hasn't really changed it's only evolved you know but i still feel that we're very that like i myself am and I guess have to be true to what I originally started with which is just aggressive ass kicking metal metal not some like metal hyphen something else but just straight up metal you know and uh, there's no subgenres going on here oh well I guess you could call it if, if I had to pick subgenres within metal extreme thrash but you know I'd say compared to a lot of the thrash that's around we're very like not particularly punk influence insofar as much as that's possible in a genre that's punk influence in the first place but we're not anywhere near like a crossover group or anything for the most part there's a couple songs like Scars Remain or something uh, but for the most part it's very like I think we lean into more like early black and death metal uh, which is kind of where the original thrash wave sort of stops is around 92 or so is when it branched out yeah, when it, yeah and it either turns into groove metal takes a often failed drive at mainstream success or 
kind of like, you know, is supplanted in the extreme sphere by black and death metal. And so, uh, you know, I'm into a lot of the, early, you know, like dissection, early immortal. I really like uh, some of the minimalist black metal. I like that uh, version record Philosophum in particular. Um, and then for early death metal, you know, Pestilence, Death, Obituary, so on and so forth. You know, all the, all the early stuff. Uh, I, I tend to like a lot of, you know, I'm, I tend to like the the thrash metal that leans to death metal and the death metal that leans to thrash metal, that kind of ground between where thrash left off and extreme metal began, I guess, is sort of a, that's a realm we try to occupy. I have another analogy uh, here. So if 80s threat, let's, let's compare uh, the monsters in Jurassic Park films, okay? So obviously Jurassic Park 1 is the best film of this, and that's not really what I'm talking about. But let's consider in that it's the T-Rex, right? The T-Rex, big, scary, but nasty teeth. It's, it's a beast of a dinosaur, indeed. Uh, if 80s thrash is the T-Rex, then Warbringer's like the one from Jurassic World where they like crossbred it with like a chameleon and a raptor. <laughs> and it's like this weaponized, you know, gene-spliced version of it. That's kind of how I see what we're... If, if 80s thrash is the T-Rex, then... And we're trying to make that second thing. That's amazing. Uh, that's I how, love that's that. for my analogy for ourselves. You know, Vox Cheers. and Hops is all about hanging out with fellow metal musicians, talking about their lives, music, and craft beer. Indeed. Today, I brought you. Uh, we're at Foof's, and recently they started putting one of the best IPAs from up here in, in Quebec on tap, and it's a, it was a big moment for Foof's because normally it was just shitty beer. <laughs> of course. So this is the Boreal August. It's uh, at this point probably one of the stars of the podcast because I've had it on so often. But it's available everywhere, and it's delicious. So it's a delicious, hazy New England IPA. It's hazy, and it's pretty citrusy. And I love it. Yeah, tropical. Cheers. Yeah, cheers indeed. Yeah, so I'm I'm not in the camp that's like keep all fruit the fuck away from my beer, but I am in the camp that's picky about it. So I've tried these like watermelon and mango craft beers, and I, I just can't have it, you know. But I like something that. So IPAs have been my go-to for a while when I drink. Um, which this is like the only beer I'm having this tour because of the Vox part. It's 54 shows, zero days off. I do drink, just not on this tour. Unbelievable. And 54 uh, straight, no uh, days off. Yeah, yeah. Believe me, we didn't Who's your Who's that. your booker? Uh, John Finberg, the uh, Merciless. The, okay. the, you know, uh, <laughs> bands tremble at the sound of his name for what they're going to have to put up with. Um, <laughs> anyway. But you're out here and you're working. And, uh, oh, I like so that fif- part. 54 in a row, you, gotta, you, gotta, you made the choice to not drink. Uh, precisely, and I barely am smoking weed, which I, is my main vice, you know. Um, is, that, is that due to experience, past experiences that have happened, and you've learned that these are the obstacles that can make your shows more difficult? It's, yeah, the, well, beer itself and weed are both dehydrants, so the number one thing... Uh, something I heard is that the vocal cords, if you're going to drink like water and the body's dehydrated, the vocal cords are going to be one of the last places that actually gets it. Got it, yeah. So I heard I heard something where like Bruce Dickinson said, you got to drink at least three liters of water a day when you're on tour. And if anything's wrong or you're sick or feeling bad, five. So, oh, wow. Yeah, so it's a shitload of water. He's just constantly pissing. Constantly. <laughs> no joke. I, I, seriously, like constant, constant. I wake up every morning after having slept half as long as I want to because I have to piss because I drank so much water the night before. But this is, in my attitude, uh, this is just what I have to do. And if it's like not as fun for me, which I'll be straight, it isn't. Um, There's those nights where you, you wish you could stay up and just give her. I, I like to stay. I'll stay up with people. But what I've ended up doing is uh, instead of like so much drinking and raging with everyone, is I'll make everybody sandwiches. 
Oh, and it's sweet. No, it, I kind of like it. And I, it's like becoming an art. No, I get really into it, yeah, that's man. How, I yeah, really that's enjoy the, what, making it. What is the sickest be- sandwich you've made so far this tour? So... Olaf from Enforcer was pretty stoned and he started like slapping together some random creations and I kind of went off of that but he was saying like a good sandwich man it has to be like a journey you start at the beginning and it changes like here's the Shire and here's more <laughs> and all this was was an open face sandwich with peanut butter and instead of the jelly being spread over it it was in a glob in the middle so I went off of this and I did that and I constructed like ramparts of banana slices outside yes. and then honey around there and then I like crowned it I think we had some other fruit and I put it on top in the middle and he got he was high so he got way more excited about it than it really deserved but uh, it's become something of a feature and I've made those a few times now that's amazing yeah (laughs) well you know you gotta enjoy the little things and just uh you know they have a song called scream of the savage so that's become scream of the the sandwich sandwich, of course (laughs) scream of the sandwich (laughs) and you just imagine the sandwich like opening its buns and yelling at you it's fantastic (laughs) So have you had those moments on stage where your voice is just not happy with you, not on this tour and previous tours, which encourages you to behave? Certainly. I mean, sometimes I felt like... I used to take the attitude of, like, this is impossible, basically. Like, look at the shit I got to actually do. And there's something... Like like the vocal, the vocal technique? Or just, like... Yeah, I gotta scream my ass off for an hour, and it's like a lot of rapid fire. You know, and so there's a lot of breath, uh, endurance wise. It's Diaphragm difficult. control. Yeah. Uh, but I've been kind of just on a routine of like focusing on what I eat, how much I sleep, how much water I drink, uh, and then like stretching a lot really helps. I find that if my, if I find like if my hamstrings are tight, then everything else is fucked, and your chest gets really? all closed off. So I try to just like stretch everything every day I warm up in the afternoons I was doing that actually before you showed up here and for me this is all like the, the longer for, for me like I need to see progress in myself or I can't enjoy it anymore you know I'm sure you can relate absolutely I'm never, and, never satisfied yeah and you never should be because god damn it you're serious about what you do you care about the heavy metal you're making and you wanted you want it to be awesome and then if I go home and I like stumble across a YouTube video from like not the last tour but the one before I'm like wow I changed that so you right. know I, I don't even want to watch that video oh dude and, and like me on the first two albums or whatever I don't even feel like I sound like how I sound and it's, you know, other people are like, that's your best one. I'm like, you're telling me that the one before I knew anything is my best one? God damn it, you know? <laughs> All this work for nothing. I know, sometimes, sometimes. But, you know, people who are just listening to it are listening from a different angle. It's like a, a guy who lives in a house is going to look at it different than the architect who built it, you know? Absolutely. So yes. I'm, I'm very much in the latter category. And, you know, as I get now to like 12, 13 years of doing this band... I need to be better than I was yesterday or what's my purpose to continue? You know, I don't want to be one of those bands that's like spinning the wheel, putting out mediocre albums. like Just cookie, it, cookie cutter, Warbringer albums. Right, right. Like insert band I used to love here, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> sad but true, you know. And uh, th- there's a lot of that. And, uh, you know, maybe it's because I'm such a picky bastard, which is entirely true. Maybe it's because the quality actually does drop after you don't have like, you know, you kind of spend your original idea. So it's always a challenge. Like for me, I just need to be pushing myself being better today than I was yesterday. Um, And part of that is like just discipline on the road, focusing on the show, the vocals rather than the party. It's why we're here. Yeah, it's it is. What, that's, that's what I always tell myself. You know, we're here for the show. Everything around the show is just like a benefit of the fact that we're actually someone 
is willing to buy a ticket to come see us perform. So that's the number one reason why we should be there. That should be the number one focus. Absolutely. And you should take pride in that. Even if even on a show with like 50 people or whatever, the bad ones that you're not even happy to do, you got to be like, that's 50 times as many people as me that went and bought this ticket that paid whatever it costs to be in here. So I better give them the show they paid for. I better sound like my goddamn record. Yes. I better be the or real better. deal, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, that's really important to me. And if you ever, any singers out there ever need motivation, just watch some of like the late 80s, like Motley Crue things where Vince Neil's just like in front of like 10,000 or more people just sucking, like <laughs> embarrassingly bad. And there, The worst know, part is that did he care? I don't know. Did, did anyone? But I do. Yeah. Sucking sucks, man. Yeah. Ruling rules. This should be. This is self-evident, you know. We'll make a shirt. <laughs> sucking sucks, man. Or one of my favorite quotes from anything ever is from Beavis and Butthead, where Butthead goes, "This sucks more than anything that has ever sucked before." And I, just, I just love that. I love saying that. It, it brings me great joy. But I, I want to make sure that I, nobody ever, ever would think that about me, and that they pretty much get. Like 10 out of 10 or even 11, you know, these go to. That's amazing. Good yeah, for you. Yeah. Every night because that's what I, that's why I'm in this music in the first place is because that's what I wanted to see a band do. I was going to say, how disappointed are you when you go see live bands and you see that they're not giving it the way that you give it? Um, often, quite, you know, quite, to be honest. I'm like, you know, you're not playing... It's not like a sl slow, easygoing jam. The music's super intense, so the... The persona should match it, and the performance is a whole different aspect apart from the the vocals. Is like uh, it takes a certain degree of fitness from me, which means like I gotta. Canada's dangerous because I really like poutine. Um, poutine, you know how I can't. No, poutine. Be, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you, had, you had it right. It was, it was the, uh, right-ish. You know, it's funny. I, I study history. I read a lot about France. I can't say any of their words. I mean, you hear me. I'm like very hard consonant enunciating, and French is just like unlearn everything you've learned about how to speak in and general. It's very, very beautiful and it is. linguistic. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I enjoy, a, a, like, I'm really, really interested in France, the place, the history, all that, uh, the culture, the food, but then I can't say anything very well, so it's, it makes me feel a little sheepish. How do you go about your lyric writing? You're always trying to stay fresh, vocally, getting on top, being the best on your vocal performances. How do you do that with your lyrics? That's kind of a random crapshoot, but I definitely put the effort in to do it. So, um... A lot of Warbringer, you know, Warbringer's not Sabaton. We don't write every song about warfare, and and the angle we do it from, I'd say, is a lot less uh, glory and mythos focused. And I try to write, you know, I, I take a particular interest in the study of warfare, strategy and tactics, and how the military-industrial complex evolved. And then that's the big picture, civilizational level. And then the small level of just extremes of human condition. What's the craziest shit that's ever happened to people? I'd say, like, some of the scenarios in the two world wars, for instance, have got to be way up there, you know? Absolutely, um, yeah. You know, so I, I've always been really fascinated by that. Um, and so that gives me a lot of material. But for instance... So you never felt trapped that you just have to talk about war because your band name is Warbringer. Right. There's... Uh, I think Empire's Collapse doesn't have any songs about warfare. Uh, 
the one we're about to put out has two of nine that are warfare themed and one of them is almost entirely psychological that's cool that yeah, yeah so, so here's something there, to, there, to, it's like a big umbrella that you can play with oh yeah yeah because there's many angles to come at from it's a it's an enormously unbelievably huge thing when you unpack like what was one of the world war one of the big ones especially or even a smaller conflict like the amount of human effort and action and thought that goes into it is, is mind-boggling and so there's a lot to come at it from uh, so like living weapon is sort of about like the theme of the film full metal jacket which is like how mm-hmm. you, you know that uh, born to kill mindset mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. the speaker in the song is kind of like viewing himself as like a tool of whatever's giving him orders and just about that aspect to it um, we have a song called when the guns fell silent where we go kind of into our own sort of like thrash metal rhyme of the ancient it's like Metallica, Bathory slash Iron Maiden, somewhere in there, uh, called When the Guns Fell Silent. Uh, it runs at 11.11, which is the time and place of the armistice of the First World War where they actually do, they're, they're shooting and launching attacks up until like 10.59 is the last casualty. So it's literally a moment where you go from, <coughs> which had been going on for, you know, four or five years uninterrupted at this point. Um, to, to utter and silence. Utter silence. And, and the thing is, it, at that moment, if you read anything from it, it, there's not like cheering and big celebrations. There's kind of just this like lament, cathartic <laughs> lament almost, but it's sort of like a uncertain. It's it's over, but by the time it's it's over, nobody's got any. Nobody has any cheers left in them. No, no, because they're completely spent. Yeah, right, exactly. So I try to capture that like spiritual desolation. It's more about that in my songs. They're rarely so much about like you'll never hear like a date. Or anything in there. I'm not trying to give a lesson. A history you know, lesson, yeah, yeah. The the lesson of that song, Alexander the Great by Iron Maiden. That's like, okay, they have some. They're like my template for how to do songs with like a topic and a setting. You know, they're fantastic at it, um, where the music and the lyrics really match and complement each other. But uh, I'll never do like you know the line that was like, okay, I got to learn from this is end of Alexander the Great. He's like, he died of fever in Babylon. Last song on the record. Last <laughs> line on the record. I'm like, oh man, he did, but that's that's not the way I would end that song, you know? <laughs> um, so that's why I try to I try to morph my approach when I'm writing about something specific um, is I'll take how it feels to me and put that on the song and focus on that rather than the factual element, I figure if I do a good job with just the imagery, that people who care about the thing in the first place will get it. We'll get it and we'll know what you're talking about. And it, but the, the important part is, it, yeah. is, is that if you don't know a damn thing about it, it still feels how it's supposed to. So that's important to me. Um, but I've done, like we did a song called Divinity of Flesh that I'm pretty proud of the lyrics of on the last record. It's kind of a thrash slash melodic death metal number um, with a little blackened influence in there. You know, Woe to the Vanquish side B branches out a lot. But uh, which I'm proud of, certainly. Um, this one kind of goes from uh, it's like sort of gigantic picture course of human civilization, and then bringing that back to like how I personally feel about it. So it's uh, it, bear with me here. Um, it goes from like the dawn of time and space, how you go from more and more advancing technology, and it's got that phrase on shoulders of giants uh, in it, and it's the idea is that people since the dawn of time have been like building on the knowledge before them to get somewhere else to, to advance themselves, to advance people in general. And uh, 
then it goes like, you know, my individual life is short. I'll be gone. But whatever I contribute, that will live on. And that's divinity. That's immortality. That's amazing. Yeah. So the end of the song, you know, is like my ends with like my words will live on. And it's kind of cool. It's pretty meta. But uh, as I'm laying that down, I'm like, oh, yeah, this disc, that's going to be there when I'm dead. Actually, true, true statement. So yeah, I, I'm yeah, really yeah. happy about that. That's amazing. Um, so, so we try to get interesting and I try to have a sense of like setting or idea with songs. Some, most of them are like real. I focus on what I'd call real world evil of various sorts. Um, I have this thing like, you know, a lot of death metal groups, when they try to think of the most brutal thing you can, they think of like a serial killer with like the hacksaw in the shed, you know, that kind of Ch Texas Chainsaw Massacre-esque scene. Um, and I think, what does Jeffrey Dahmer have on Joseph Stalin? Yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, yeah, yeah, like yeah, who, yeah. who's, you know, sure, just Stalin does it with a pen, but but just sheer body count, it's That's not it. even yeah, close. Yeah. You can't even, you couldn't do with like a saw and a hammer and the or mentality whatever to do anything close to be that cold cold yeah, yeah that's yeah. the word for yeah. it exactly so i like uh, that approach to it or it's about like the big picture evil um and, and i'm not one of those people who'd say it's all subjective i'd say the existence of some of these like big picture evil genocidal leaders and stuff is a really strong argument for the existence of objective evil you know that, yeah. i'll rest my case on that one you know say, <laughs> say what's about that what you will but uh so I like to write about that stuff, and and when I do my studies, I like to kind of try to answer the question, how the fuck does this stuff actually happen? Because here's the thing, bad guys in real life are not like in a movie, right? They were born of a womb, they end in a tomb, and... Uh, nobody's ever charged in a battle with like for evil on their no but that's no. in their mind they're doing the right thing right no yeah. matter how loathsome the cause that's right yeah. so, so you know ostensibly that means the guys in like the SS Panzer or something must have somehow thought what they're doing is good and that's really really warped it's, and fucked it's up fucked and evil up. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. you can actually successfully convince people or that they can convince themselves or whatever reciprocal combination of those two things it is that's some real shit right there and I, try I to, agree yeah, I yeah. try to get a little bit into that, that, that mentality is very music. interesting yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's, uh, you know, people don't like to go into evil at all because it's repugnant. But uh, I think if you're actually truly opposed to it, you should try to understand it. You know, know your enemy. And there's so many different angles that you could take on it lyrically. Oh, yeah. As, as opposed to it, if people think that it's all been done before, it's just going to be yeah. the same regurgitated. Yeah, one, one of my favorite lines, uh, this is a war-themed line, but the end of Shellfire, right? This is a song about kind of like... Uh, I'm thinking like First World War, but it could really be any war. It's just about like sort of the feeling of being under like prolonged artillery fire. And you can read stuff. There's a great bit where somebody describes it as uh, it's like standing. Uh, this guy Ernst Junger uh, from the First World War, he describes it as like standing tied to a post. And there's a guy swinging a sledgehammer. And every single time he swings it, it hits the post right next to your head. Oh, and it chunks <laughs> off it. And you just have to sit there and hope. And like every time it swings, you're like... <gasps> Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. That that's the feeling, and that I'm still alive, right? <laughs> and that to me was so evocative, and so the song tries to get into some of that and some of the bitterness around this, and sort of based on various writings I've read. Then the end part, there's this photo I saw where it's uh, it's like a post First World War German soldier. He's in full dress uniform. He's got one leg. He's got his medal on his chest and everything. He's on the street, 
and uh, somebody's he's holding out his hat and someone's like putting a coin in it and he has just this look of utter and complete shame on his face and so I wrote this here I'll quote the verse it's interesting I'm proud of this one it's like I'm cast aside now that I've played my part I lie in the street I beg not to starve I'm crippled disfigured you just look away the war you forgot the price I have paid song ends yes you know amazing so I I like to do stuff like that because that's a little better than just like random violence I think and it's got kind of an emotional brutality to go with the literal brutality so and, and, and with the music, musical brutality yes yeah. oh yeah, yeah that song's fast as fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh i have fun with that and i try to push myself i try to not directly repeat stuff i've done and there's some stuff i write that's just like dark fantasy like spectral asylum or demonic ecstasy or some of the like you know the abyss beckons kind of songs which you know thinking's just pure fantasy for that but even then I, one should try to be evocative and um, and I try to enunciate about as well as one can for what I'm doing. Which when when we're doing extreme vocals, it's it's always a challenge. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I'm not particularly guttural. I'm, I'm no, I know, no, but yeah, I'm but just running still, sort of like a blasting yeah. mid. So for me, it's it's something I, it's a challenge to get live. I think in the studio, they're real. We're really nitpickers on it, where you got to be able to hear every damn word I'm saying, and I, I, that's part of me trying to take myself seriously as an artist i'm a guy who, i'm i don't want to be just a guy who screams into a mic i want to be a proper like lyricist vocalist and and be really proud of what i do so uh this is all my effort to justify that to myself i guess you no, know it's cool i love it it's it's a uh, more and more singers should be like you well, and, and be as well read and focused and actually have a lyrical content that they can stand behind and talk about. <laughs> well, thank you. I'll take that as a great compliment. I really appreciate it. Let's Cheers. talk about previous tours. Okay. If you could travel back in time and be on any tour again, the tour you had the most fun on, the one that was the most insane, what was that tour? There's been a number of them. And to be honest, I feel like, you know, one of those old wizards who's like, oh, I've forgotten <laughs> more than most will ever know, you know? And sometimes it feels like that. But uh, in the last few years, one that really stood out was, well, first off, this tour has actually been a blast. You know, I made the spiel about how, like, disciplined and everything is, which is true. But everyone's kind of got a really good working attitude, and it makes the work part easy and smooth so that. Even though, like, I'm not fucking doing shit, I'm up on the bus, like, pounding my fist with everybody every night, you know, mostly, like, all 80s jams, basically, on this tour. <laughs> at, at least you're not enforcing whisper parties. Whisper? Never. So who, that you can who, get your rest. Uh, I don't like to name names. Okay, fair I'll tell, enough. I'll tell you after I stop. Fair recording. enough. <laughs> that, let me say that that's a bummer. Um, rock, dude, you know? Anyways, it's everyone's party. Everyone should be able to have fun the way they want to. Yeah, and just you know, if if you that light of a sleeper, wear earplugs or don't go on tour. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, fortunately, I can sleep through anything. Good for you. It's it's a great gift. I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, I really enjoyed. We did a tour with. Ex Mortis is a band from California that we're really close to. We actually have Conan, who's the shred lord of that band, playing bass for a, for a few dates on this tour, um, filling in for our bassist Chase Bryant. Um, then we had, but we had a Havoc, Warbringer, Golrod, and Ex Mortis, and that was a really That's cool awesome. tour. That's a varied tour too. Varied, yeah, good yeah. mixture of like thrash and yeah. like death metal. Mortis is like neoclassical death thrash, and, and Golrod's like straight tech death. Exactly, yeah. they're like a progressive tech death. Brand. Exactly. Say, exactly, yeah. yeah. Pretty avant-garde and cool, like some really weird riffs, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was a really cool tour, and all four bands were on the same bus, and Woo! it was just like pure in brotherhood. Europe. In Europe. Yeah, in Europe. Yeah. The shows were fucking killer on that, and uh, everyone got along super well. Honestly, that 
just the, having a good like sort of culture like subculture within the bus is the thing that makes tours so wonderful because like you just kind of pal around with everybody you see from the tour anytime you see him I, I take a hobby out of like trying to come up with a pun or a joke for everything and uh, just entertain myself and others that way you have to you have to yeah you have to it keeps you sane man because other than that your day is more or less the same exactly I listen to that Nine Inch Nails song frequently on tour every day is exactly the same yeah and I, I pull it up at least one tour when I'm like in a little bit of a slump. <laughs> it speaks to it speaks yeah. to your soul in certain instances, you know. <laughs> it's true though, man. It's true. Um like people they're like what's the most interesting place you've played or the best show and I'm like that almost seems like a dumb question to ask sometimes they're all you know? the same and they're all great in their own way right because the the thing is even the shows where you're at like a festival and there's a huge crowd you'd think that's automatically the best but the show you actually give and what you actually do is or at least should be pretty much the same you know, some of the banter changes in, like, a bar setting versus a festival setting. I'll be a little more, like, colloquial, and you don't want to, like, be at uh, Sleazy Pete's Bar and Grill going, like, let me see the earth shake. You know, yeah, it, it yeah, ain't yeah. going to work. It ain't going <laughs> to happen, buddy. So you got to tailor yourself for where you actually are. Um, you can be a little more grandiose with the festival-style audiences, but... Uh, you know, I like to think that I give the same quality of show in front of, like, 40, 50 people as I do in front of, like, 10,000. 10, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, that's so, our job. That's our job. That's what we got to do. No, and, and that's just, like, uh, you know, the pride of a craftsman or something, I guess. I'm not going to compromise my show. God damn it. If it's for a show for, like, Brian, drunk-ass Brian who doesn't know where the hell he is, you know, <laughs> this one's for you, buddy. You may not realize it, but we're nailing this, you know? <laughs> I really appreciate you taking the time. Being on Vox and Hops. Cheers to Warbringer. Super excited to see you destroy the stage tonight. Fuck yeah, that's all we'll we make ever the do, earth man. Shake. <laughs> Get wrecked, Quebec. I love that. Yeah, yeah I've been Cheers. saying that one. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for having me on the show. It's been good. Hey, thank you all so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. John was just such a smart, smart, well read individual. Very interesting conversation. He put on a banger of a show afterwards. Uh, huge shout out to uh, Chris from Jayhoff Films the, for hooking this up. I love your brother. Uh, they got lots of cool, excellent content on YouTube, and you guys should check that out as well. If you do not know what Jayhoff Films' YouTube channel is all about, you should go check it out. I put their link in the description of this as well. If you guys would like to give me some suggestions of who I should have on the Vox and Hops podcast, what guests would you like to see me sit down with and share a craft beer with? Please send me an email at matt at voxandhops.com. That's M-A-T-T at V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S dot com. I'm always super stoked to get emails from Vox and Hops heads. If you haven't already, you should absolutely subscribe to the podcast. You should like it. You should share it. You should tell all your metalhead friends and your craft beer loving friends about the Vox and Hops podcast. This podcast has grown so much over the past year, and it's really thanks to people like you who have done that in the past. So let's keep this ball rolling. I'm super excited to see where this next year takes Vox and Hops. I hope you have a great weekend. Remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hopsets. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza.
So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out.